The Start On Demand. On demand. It is, what is it now, day six, day six of the protest outside the Manitoba Legislative Building. And I have some thoughts because I live just across the river and um, it's kind of driving me nuts. Big changes coming in Alberta and Saskatchewan as they prepare to significantly loosen their restrictions. Saying goodbye to Andrew Harris, who's leaving the Blue Bombers to play for the Argonauts. I Love to Read Month continues. We'll speak to another local author about her wonderful work. And ratty old clothes you refuse to lose. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, February 9th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, back after a couple of days vacation. Still got some leftover time from last year to burn off. And uh, Loren, you made your way into the station. I'm curious, did you wear the Batman pajamas? Oh, no. I was fully dressed and hair washed and all sorts of things. I'm back in pajamas now, though, and it feels good. So <laughs> it, was, it was fun to be there. It, it just, it's so much better to be up and about and the energy of the building. And I like looking out at that view and all the rest. It's uh, a lot better than the view I have right now in my, in my basement, basement, I'll tell you that. But, but I don't... I, I uh, the whole getting up and looking presentable thing. <laughs> There's no know. one here. I know, but you don't want to be walking around in Batman pajamas at work. I guess I could have. There is no one there. I think I saw two people, Forche <laughs> and Joe, maybe. I don't know. That's it. Yeah, there's Joe Aiello and Vicky Shea down at Power 97, Sam Stevens at Peggy at 99.1, and then our friends at Global News Morning, a couple of engineers, and that's it. There's almost no one here. Backling, are you? You, when you uh, started working from home, you still said you got up and got yourself dressed like you were going to work. Uh, have you put on a pair of, say, like Blue Bomber PJs yet? <laughs> no pajamas. I've not worked in pajamas yet. The closest I've come are my Lululemon uh, studio pants, and I have a pair of sweats that I wear every once in a while, but no pajamas as of yet. I just, you know, I just have to keep in that routine. Otherwise, I'm just lost, you know, so many days, the days are running into one another. And I think for the first time in a long, long time, one day last week, I looked at the clock, I looked at the shower, I looked at the clock and I thought about going back to bed. And uh, I think a lot of us are at that point right now where we just need a little bit of a break from all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I sort of was wondering, like, should I even be taking these vacation days? Yeah, when I took them because they weren't exactly relaxing days off with the uh, the noise. Why is that, Brett? <laughs> well, you know, there's just a, there's a certain uh, noisy gathering happening just across the river from where I live, and uh, oh my gosh, I uh, you know I'm trying to keep my my spirits up. I really am, and I look forward to coming in here. And and this job actually helps sort of perk my spirits up, getting to talk to Manitobans every day, but. I I gotta be honest. I don't know that I've ever felt the level of despair 
that I am feeling right now, being exposed to this racket for the last, well, we're entering day six today. It's just, it was, it has been relentless and merciless and it's, uh, it's frustrating. And it's funny because, you know, I learned very quickly, Loren, living down the hall or down the, down the road from the legislature that it, it's, it's noisy. Like, for example, back in November, the cannons. Right. From the speech from the throne. That's yeah, loud. That's loud. That, and that's like an annual ceremonial thing. And the legislature, of course, is where all sorts of different events take place throughout the year they don't they have sort of a time frame to them though you know it's not going to last forever <laughs> which which you might be wondering right now with the the noise down there how long that's going to go on yeah like the, I, I i learned very quickly it's protest alley like you, you, there have been protests galore then you the people show up in a motorcade they ride around for a couple hours they go home people show up and they set up shop on the western steps of the legislature with their you know, loudspeakers, and they give speeches, and they sing Kubaya, and they play George Michael's Freedom, but they leave a couple of hours later. So, like, that, sometimes it, it sucks having to listen to these protests, but they leave, and this one, no end in sight. They went until 9 o'clock last night. Saturday night, they went till 11 o'clock. Uh, they sometimes set off fireworks after midnight. I didn't hear any last night, but they doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just didn't hear it, but uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. So I've got... Uh, uh, a couple more things to say about it at 6.37, and I'll, I'll just I'll play some audio for you, what it sounds like to live across the river from this uh, noise, shall we say. These are fellow friendly Manitobans uh, who are speaking up. And you know, we're, one of the things we're going to be talking about, especially even in our next segment, restrictions are already changing, right, GMAC? I mean, we, see, we saw yesterday big changes coming in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Huge changes in Alberta. We'll outline those, as you mentioned, in just a few moments. And Saskatchewan is not too far behind either. And we're hearing uh, about potential changes in Atlantic Canada as well. So, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I suppose some folks will will think that these demonstrations have had something to do with the changing of policy in these provinces Others will say, well, this was just the way we were going anyway. So that's uh, going to be another wrinkle in this conversation that's that's become so divisive. I, I had a conversation with one of my best friends in Alberta yesterday, and eventually we just had to just say, you know what, Let's we have to stop talking right now mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. things were getting heated and we were saying things to to one another. We've been friends for 35 years, and last night... We don't agree on a lot of stuff. We're on the opposite sides politically. And last night, things started to get a little personal. And I, I didn't like it Ooh, at boy. all. Well, you're both fed up, right? And I think when you're both fed up, you, you, you have a line where you just decide you don't want to hear anymore. Or maybe you shouldn't hear anymore. Or you can't say anymore. Or you'll get past that point of no return. But I bet you you're not the only one in that sort of situation or in a relationship where you're just say, say if we continue to talk, we won't have a relationship anymore. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, Alberta's premier, says the time has come to live with COVID. Jason Kenney is beginning to lift public health restrictions, what he calls a path back to normal, and he has ended the proof of vaccine requirement as of 12 a.m. this morning. The threat of COVID-19 uh, to public health is uh, no, no longer outweighs 
the hugely damaging impact of health restrictions on our society, on people's mental health, on their emotional well-being, on uh, uh, our broader social health. So now is the time to begin learning to live with COVID. Now, there remain more than 1,500 people with COVID in hospital in Alberta. Almost all public health restrictions will be lifted March 1st, Brett, if the situation hospitals continue to improve. At a news conference last evening, Kenny said while the restrictions exemption program served its purpose of increasing vaccination rates, it is no longer an effective tool for doing so and no longer needed, especially, Kenny says, with so many vaccinated people still contracting the highly transmissible Omicron variant of COVID-19. Global's Heather Urex West was at the Canada-U.S. border where protesters have been blocking access to the Coots border crossing as the announcement was made. Well, they've been listening to uh, the developments from the Premier very closely. We know that, as you mentioned, as of midnight tonight, the uh, proof of vaccine program will end next week. Uh, school children will no longer have to wear masks to school. From there on March 1st, the indoor mask mandate will also be lifted. This is something that protesters have been asking for, but will it be enough for them to end their, their protest that is now into its second week? Likely not. The protesters I've spoken with say they also want to see an end to federal vaccine mandates, uh, even a change in government. I'm sick of having my kids wear their masks in school. I don't want my daughter breathing carbon monoxide in and out all day. Hopefully the mandates get dropped and then uh, it'd be nice if Trudeau took a flying hike. He could, he could get, get lost. I think he meant carbon dioxide. Um, Heather, authorities say the blockade is illegal. How are the RCMP likely to respond? Well, RCMP uh, told us today that they have uh, two major objectives here. One is to maintain the peace. The other is to ensure that border access uh, remains open as well as access to the local community. Now, at this hour, I can tell you uh, most of this afternoon, that is happening. Traffic is getting through the border. Uh, The mayor of Coots says that he does not want to see see um, the RCMP take a heavy-handed approach to protesters, adding that many of these protesters are actually members of the community. I just mentioned that the people that are protesting are your neighbor from down the road. And so it's not the kind of guys that are trying to wreck stuff and uh, create noise and, and pollution and doing all the stuff that you heard of other places. And so it requires a different treatment from the RCMP. Still, RCMP say there have been illegal activity at this protest over the past week. They have investigations open and they say charges will be laid. The Alberta government is saying that this is an illegal protest, an illegal blockade. It needs to end. Uh, Whether that will happen now that the Alberta Premier has uh, outlined a plan to lift restrictions provincially, that is something that we will have to wait and see. So that was Global's Heather Urich's West in Alberta. There's a couple of different things at play here. Of course, like each province has its own restrictions in place. And so Alberta has indicated for weeks now that it was going to be easing up on them and has sort of set this as a target already. Saskatchewan has said for weeks that it was aiming to lift restrictions sooner rather than later. And so they're, for example, going to re- eliminate that proof of vaccination requirements starting Monday. So that's putting an end to that. Of course, here in Manitoba, we're easing some restrictions. I know a lot of people are asking, what about our mandates here? But again, those some of those are provincially set. And then you have the federal question. And there's a lot of people saying now, instead of just saying, why are we doing these restrictions? There's going to be people saying, well, why aren't we 
moving toward? Why do we still have certain things in place like certain vaccine mandates? Maybe even a question about, you know, the testing at airports, testing for travel. Like, uh, you know, Teresa Tam said weeks ago, maybe it was time to reconsider some of those things because the science is changing and how it's working is changing. So I think we're just going to see a whole lot of change in the next uh, 48 hours, the next two weeks, the next three weeks, where Manitoba will fit in. I'm not sure we'll know yet, but I, after Alberta and Saskatchewan made those announcements, I thought, wow, people in Manitoba are going to be chomping at the bit to hear what's next for us. Coming up after 7.07, we're going to talk to downtown Winnipeg Biz about the pandemic, protests, and more. What do downtown businesses have to say? Uh, but as if you, if you were listening after 6 o'clock, I sort of touched on this briefly. I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts here because I live just across the river from the Manitoba legislature and I'm not saying I speak for everybody who lives in the vicinity. I have no idea what it sounds like for everybody, Uh, but here's what it sounded like last night at 6.53 p.m. from my balcony. All right. Well, if it's too noisy, shut the window. Well, here's what that sounds like. So that's that's in my apartment with my windows closed with the incessant truck horn and that train horn. They really turned up the juice last night. They went hard until nine o'clock and then they stopped. Uh, So, again, I live across the river. But just think of that pocket of downtown on the that runs from the legislature down to Main Street between Broadway and Assiniboine. It's almost entirely residential. Kennedy, Edmonton, Carleton, Hargrave, Donald. I mean, to a lesser extent, Donald's a thoroughfare. But there are still apartments there. And you've got apartments on Gary and Fort. I talked to somebody who lives on Gary just out of Cinnaboyne the other day. I said, can you hear this? And she says, oh, yeah. Um, there are apartments on Broadway and all along Assiniboine. It's almost all residential. You've got to think there are a few thousand people living down there. I mean, I have no idea how many, but... You know, we can hear it in Osborne Village. Someone contacted me yesterday to say they can hear it from the, where they live at Pemina and Hugo. Mm. Uh, that's, I was shocked to hear that. And I can imagine you'd hear it in West Broadway, maybe that Granite Gates area by the Granite Curling Club. So, like, this, this noise is reaching and affecting a lot of people. And for the record, I just want to make sure I say this. I was as horrified as anybody when I saw that hit-and-run video from Friday night. I thought I'd just watch someone die. Um, so I was glad to see that person get up and that no one was seriously hurt. You know, I don't want anybody involved to get hurt. No, no way. Um, but having said that, there, uh, there are two things I find ironic about this protest. One, these protesters are speaking out against COVID mandates that they feel have inflicted harm upon Canadians. So their chosen action is to inflict further harm upon Canadians in the form of blockades, in the form of traffic disruptions, making it difficult for people to get to work, to get home, to have things delivered, etc. I was reading yesterday on social media, somebody who lives downtown says that they have mobility issues, they rely on delivery services for their groceries and just for, you know, meals like from Skip the Dishes or whatever, and they they were issued refunds because their drivers couldn't even get there because of the the various disruptions downtown. And then you've got the some the harassment that some people are dealing with from some of the people turning up for these protests. And then, of course, in the form of that honking, <laughs> the incessant, relentless honking. It's not just noise pollution. It is noise 
torture. And I know it's not loud enough to cause any physical damage to me in my apartment, but it is driving me insane. Just think of the people who live nearby who might have small children or people who work shift work and have to try to sleep through this or people with sensory issues, mobility issues who can't can't just get up and leave. Well, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Well, what, it's not that easy for everybody. Or what about pets? People with pets. Pets have way more sensitive hearing. Uh, I just don't understand how bombarding thousands of people who live nearby with this noise assault is accomplishing anything productive. But hey, it's all in the name of freedom, right? And that's the second thing I find ironic. They're complaining about their loss of freedom, and they're doing so while dancing in the street. Only in a free country could you have this kind of protest while dancing in the street. Only in a free country could you park your truck in front of the Manitoba legislature and not have it removed. Like, do you think any of us are happy to live under these restrictions? I'm just as sick of it as anybody. I miss Greg. I miss Loren. I'm tired of not being able to see them in two years. Loren's been at home. I haven't seen Loren. I think I've seen Loren, what, have we seen each other like twice in the twice. last two years? Maybe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Three we, times. Yeah. It's, and it's you know, for like an awkward Christmas gift handoff or something. <laughs> um, so like we're all dealing with this on some level. You're not alone there. And the good thing is the restrictions are already starting to come to an end. The wheels were already in motion on that before these protests started. Um, and I guess that's a third thing that's ironic. They're demanding these restrictions be lifted. That's already happening. The end appears to be coming. So as far as I'm concerned... This is not peaceful. How can that noise be considered peaceful? I get it. For some, it's the sound of freedom, but not my freedom. Don't I have the freedom to live in peace? As far as I'm concerned, these people are bullies. And uh, I get it. The pandemic's been hard. But how does making your fellow Manitobans, your fellow Canadians suffer, make anything better? So that's my, my take. Feel free to weigh in. 204-780-6868. And I know I'll probably get... Some pushback on that, but... Uh, oh, it's happening already, Brad. Yeah. Well, good. Yep. Yep. We invite the feedback. 204-780-6868. And Loren, uh, who are we talking to at 705 on this? We're going to talk to the downtown biz. They've put out a plea, basically, to, to shop downtown, come downtown, help them out, help get them through this. So we're going to check in with Kate Fenske, find out how things are going downtown. And, and maybe there's some good news. Have some, has there, is there some good news is the question. Have new businesses opened up? Are people looking to try something new? Because we're all looking for a little hope here. That might be one of my favorite sponsor tags. Uh, <laughs> did you have to read that this week, uh, Greg or Loren? Did it catch you off guard like it did me? <laughs> I think Loren had to read oh, it. Yeah. I thought it was I perfect. Because oh, I love a pun. You know me. Love you, Ari. That's lame, though. That's a lame one. <laughs> All right. We're going to lighten things up a little bit here. We've got a four-pack of tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Renovation Show at the RBC Convention Center. That's happening February 18th to the 20th. And... Um, I was sitting on my couch the other day, looking down my sweatpants, and I realized I can see my knees through these black sweatpants, which indicates how long I've had them. It's been a while. And then I put my hand in the pocket, and like the pocket is actually has disassembled itself from the (laughs) the inside of the pant. Uh, It's just sort of hanging on by a thread. It's clear that these sweatpants 
are good for the garbage. But am I going to get rid of them? Absolutely not, because they are super comfortable. So I'm just wondering if you have a piece of ratty old clothing that you refuse to get rid of, and if it's caused any fights. Like my dad used to wear these T-shirts, and he would he would hold on to them basically until they disintegrated into dust, and my mom would give him a hard time. Why don't you get rid of that shirt? We can see through it. Because it's comfy. So tell us a story for a chance to win. Let's go around the horn here. Loren, why don't we start with you? I have this blue hoodie that it's probably only about 10 years old, but so it's not the age of it. It's the fact that about five years ago we were camping, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I was cooking on the campfire, and I grabbed the the skillet or whatever you call it and, and picked it up and used my armed kind of like rest this burning hot frying pan on it and it melted right through the sweater like a hole that goes from my wrist to my elbow so there's basically nothing holding that sleeve together and i wear that sweater at least twice a week like with this gaping hole and i don't even try to hide it i don't roll it up because in my mind the rest is still good and i love the color and so I don't care. What anyone has to say about it is my favorite hoodie. And if that gets lost somewhere in the mix, I would be really, really upset. I can't find anything that is the feels as comfortable as it does. And I, and I honestly think I look good in it. So I just continue to wear it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Way to go, Loren. What about you, Jeff Braun? I had this uh, Tom Petty concert T-shirt. I bought it in 2008 at a Tom Petty show, and it was so comfortable, and I thought it looked so cool, and it was just my favorite shirt, and I wore it until about 2018, even though the last you know couple of years, I was like, wow, it's got a big giant 2008 on it, so everyone knows exactly how old this shirt is, but it was just so comfy, and uh, it was getting threadbare and stuff, and then finally, it did develop a, a big hole, and I was like, well, there's, there's just no way. I wore it around the house for a little while after that, but uh, it got to be too much. It was too sad. So I had to toss that one, but that was that was a heartbreaker. But it lasted me a good ten years, so sorry, that's not bad you, for a t-shirt. You said it was a Tom Petty shirt, yeah, and it was a, a it was heartbreaker. A heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah, it was a heartbreaker. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Did you not? Did you not do that on purpose? I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> Tom Petty just gets in your bones like that, you know. Uh, Poitras, what about you? Uh, wow, well, yeah, I, I like in my youth, I would wear clothes with holes in them all the time and eventually my mom would just get sick of them so she would just go up if I was wearing it she would just rip it and says now there you go now you have to take it off and you can't wear it anymore (laughs) and make a giant hole in it but my wife hates this one sweater that I have which I would deem is actually for no apparent reason I think it's a nice sweater it's a blue sweater it's it's got this fake white sort of shirt underneath like it's got this faux shirt that sort of sticks out of the top of it um, it's just like a small piece of, fa- of fabric, but for that reason and that reason alone, she absolutely hates this sweater. Um, and she always tells me, she's not afraid to tell me how much she hates it. Every, even if like I'm going through like my, uh, um, like, uh, in my closet, I'll just like pull it off for a second. She goes, I hate that sweater. And then I'll be like, I'll just put it back, but I've had it a while. I'm not keeping it. I like it, but I do fear wearing it around her. So maybe it is a victory on her part. <laughs> you fear wearing it. I fear wearing it around her. I'm um, shocked she hasn't just got, I have, I have just thrown things out without saying a word. That's happening. That's coming this, your way. This one I will, I'm, I've, I've fought for this piece of fabric and I hope, I hope that it gives me that amount of respect. Cause I've, I've really, really defended this, this sweater for a long time now. So I hope, I hope it's worth it. Mackling. 
Oh gosh, I have far too many things uh, either that are too small or have truly given up the ghost. I'm looking at a, the very first piece of Winnipeg Jets NHL 2.0 merchandise I purchased. It's hanging on my my desk chair here and the and the cuffs are all frayed. It's discolored. I think it's got a Javik stain on it here somewhere, but I refused to not wear it. And I, I, in these connections to some of these pieces of clothing, right? There's, there's memories. And so I've got the concert t-shirts. I've got the sports memorabilia and uh, I'm being vindicated right now because uh, my boys are wearing my 35 year old stuff almost on a daily basis. Yesterday I picked up one of the boys and he had my old Chicago bulls starter sweatshirt easily from 1990 wearing it with pride. And uh, the other boy had a Los Angeles Lakers, uh, world championship t-shirt celebrating all their championships of the 1980s so yeah i i've been vilified chastised for years about carrying this stuff around i'm finally getting my vengeance and uh, which means uh, nothing's going in the garbage anytime soon and mr forte Pardon me, I almost choked on my own spit. <laughs> um, me, I actually found a pair of old jeans about a month and a half ago, and you can see where my cell phone was. It's getting worn out in that area. The pockets are have holes in them, so if you put something small in there, they're gonna drop down your pant leg. But for some for some reason, like I found these. Doesn't have much meaning to me, but I started wearing them again, and now I can't stop wearing them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Do you have a pair or a piece of ratty old clothing that you just refuse to get rid of? Has it been a bone of contention in your world? Like, Loren, I actually had a sweater. I still have it, a Florida State's uh, college football sweater that I got in, like, the early 1990s and I reached into the stove and burnt a hole through the wrist that actually ended up being a perfect thumb hole. And those thumb holes on sweaters are so comfortable. Uh, So I just kept it, but the the sleeves are both falling apart. It is disgusting and I should throw it away, but I refuse. And one of my buddies, my my old roommate, he would yell at me for wearing it. And so I would wear it out of spite just to spite him. Yeah. Everyone has one of those in their house. If, if you're in any relationship, roommate, sibling, husband, wife, 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 whatever, you know, any partner you have, you do it sometimes just because. And so, you know they're doing it too. Look, it's, it is hard to believe. I, I, I can't even... Try, saying it out loud just blows my mind. Almost two years since the first case of COVID was detected in Manitoba. Yeah, it's just so incredible what we've been through in the last 23 months with the ups and downs and stops and starts and restarts with the economy and with their hospitals. And so for our business, as we know, there's been a lot of unknown, including the latest uh, unknown is, is the impact that this protest could or may not be having uh, on shopping intentions downtown. So this week, the folks at Downtown Biz put in a request. And in some ways, it sounds like a plea. Here's the tweet. Downtown is open for business and we need your help. Please do what you can to support your favorite downtown businesses this week. Shop online, order takeout, or come visit by car, bus, bike, or foot. 299 out of 300 city blocks are open. Hashtag Winnipeg. Yeah, Kate Fenske is the chief executive officer of the downtown biz and joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. So uh, just 
when you thought you'd seen it all, you have another PR uh, nightmare. I won't put words in your in your mouth, but that's what it feels like. Is this a little bit of a plea for Winnipeggers to think twice, three times about where they're shopping right now? I think maybe a bit of a plea and just a reminder and, and a bit of awareness. I, I think, you know, some people think that downtown may be closed, and that's just simply not the case. You know, uh, mentioned in the tweet there, there is 300 city blocks, and 299 of them are open for business. So we've been checking in with members, you know, over the last couple of days, seeing how they're doing. The biggest concern we're hearing is really about the noise. Um, traffic congestion has been a little bit problem directly sort of in the area. And I don't think really, you know, anyone thought um, this is where we would be, you know, February 2022. One of our listeners, Adam, says he works downtown and he can hear the noise from this protest. Uh, what's Is the protest having an impact on businesses downtown? It is. We heard from a couple members, you know, they're experiencing a loss of revenue. So that's really what it is um, that, that we're asking Winnipeggers to do this week. Just think about those downtown businesses that have been struggling for two years. This is just another added layer, another challenge that's coming at them. So do what you can to support, whether it's ordering online or the takeout. Come downtown and visit. You know, you can still access the majority of downtown around the legislature whether it's by bus or by car or by bike or by foot. I'm not sure there's too many cyclists trying to get through that slush this morning. But really, we're just inviting Winnipeggers to support their downtown because those businesses, those business owners, they really need it right now. We've visited with you so many times over the years, Kate, in the last two years. You know, I mentioned the stops and starts, right? And we, we, we talked to you and we were hoping to find some optimism. And then two months later, you know, restrictions might change and there might be some pessimism. And so I'm curious, when you're keeping track and tally of the businesses downtown, how many have we lost? But also maybe have we gained anyone new? You know, absolutely. Businesses have still opening, uh, been opening over the last couple of years, but where pre-pandemic we would have seen double the number of businesses opening compared to closing, those numbers have just completely flipped. And we haven't, you know, we haven't come back from that yet. So what we're focused on in this next year is really about recovery. What does it look like when we come out of this? How can we all work together? I think that's the most important thing right now is that we're thinking about each other, not ourselves, uh, and just showing our support and our love for our community. Over 7,000 people at Canada Life Centre last night that had to help a little bit, that had to spark some imagination of what the next few weeks, what the next few months might look like, Kate. Um, You know, it's tough because I think in the fall, we were all feeling a real sense of optimism. We were hearing that from businesses, from organizations, arts, culture, events. They were coming back. Um, and, and this winter has just been a real challenge, but I would still say there's a great sense of optimism uh, for the spring, this summer. I think we are going to get through this. Um, and, you know, we're trying to bring joy wherever we can right now. So I'd encourage, you know, the other thing is not only support the businesses, but come downtown and explore winter wonderland. We've got some incredible ice sculptures uh, in six different locations. You can go for a little walk. They're all lit up at night. So no matter what time of day, uh, we encourage you to just check it out. Kate Fenske, Chief Executive Officer of the Downtown Winnipeg Biz, joining us live on The Start. Kate, pleasure as always. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Five coupon ride at the X. Do you want to go faster? It's yes! Mac- <laughs> it's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. 
And we're asking you at 204-780-6868 about the ratty old clothes that you have that you just refuse to get rid of, like Loren's blue hoodie, which has a big hole in the sleeve that she burnt reaching into the stove, but it's comfy and she likes the way it looks, so uh, she's not going to get rid of it. And that's well, great. I, no, I, it was a campfire. I want to be clear. Oh, also, pardon was me. A, and I'm keeping it to remind me of my stupidity as well. And I'm not... I'm not I'm not correcting you because I need to correct you so badly, but more because as it was happening, I'm like, why am I putting this hot skillet onto my arm? (laughs) The sweater's burning. That's weird. Like it was just a moment of stupidity. And I you know what? Darn it. I love that sweater, though. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. It was me who reached into the stove uh, with my sweater. But uh, what does Chad from Labrador have, Greg? He's got a Motorhead T-shirt. That's cool enough as it is. He's got duct tape on it. It's too cool to let go. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate that. I think that even that adds even more motorhead feel to it, if you ask me. Doesn't it though? Would be great if it was a duct tape, say maybe from the concert that they you know were using as gaffers tape to tape down uh, the d- different pieces of equipment or something. And Bob says this is good because my grandpa always said you only need two shirts, one to wash, one to wear. Bob <laughs> says I will never understand the need to get rid of something just because it's old. Fair no, enough. that's fair. That's fair. Did you see Elaine's text just now? She has a bomber hoodie, almost 35 years old, claimed from her ex 25 years ago. I think if he wanted to claim it back in the divorce, I would have fought tooth and nail to keep it. Ten years ago, decided to preserve it. I've put it in a box and pulled out only for bomber's game. So uh, I like the divorce shirt. <laughs> I can't take this. You can have the house. Take the house. <laughs> but I'm keeping the sweater. I'm keeping this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so keep those coming. We want to give you tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show at the RBC Convention Center February 18th to the 20th. We'll pick a winner at 9.15 based on your ratty clothes. Texts. Last night, the Winnipeg Jets kicked off what is, for all intents and purposes, the second half of their 2021-22 season. The Jets launched their 40 games in 81 nights odyssey with a 2-0 win over Central Division rival Minnesota Wild. Joining us this morning to dissect the win and set the table for the next week or so is ESPN play-by-play commentator, longtime sports broadcaster and critical cog in our Jets coverage wheel here on 680 CJOB. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Greg, and as always, I'm so glad to see you being such a professional. Oh, yeah, you mean with my dog yammering in the background? Yeah, that was great. That was well, great. Listen, I love it. This is just a sign of the times. Leah Hextall, mm-hmm. of course. I don't know if I used your last name when I brought you in there, Leah. Hey, when you um, begin your essential second half, nine points out of the playoff spot, there. listen, there's not much room for error here. Big win last mm-hmm. night. Did you like how how the team won? I liked everything about last night. And the biggest part of what I liked is the fact that they came out with the two points. And I don't think that we can brush that aside. The fact is, is that the Jets, they're in this. And Josh Morrissey said it. It all starts now. You know, they're going to have to win two to one pretty much for the rest of the season, which is an incredibly daunting task. But they have such an opportunity here right out of the gate because they're going to be playing against so many Central Division opponents, several teams that they're chasing the standings, which means it's a four-point swing and a great opportunity to make up room. But I don't know if you guys noticed it last night, but Mark Shifley scores that goal. And there wasn't really a celebration. And I get it only made it one nothing, but this is a team that's had trouble scoring against one of the highest offenses 
in the National Hockey League in the Minnesota Wild. Wasn't really a celebration. You come out, there's multiple fights by Adam Lowry, a player that I remember saying prior to the All-Star break, I haven't heard his name as much lately. And then even in the intermission interviews, there was no room to play with these guys. There was no smiles. There was no nothing. It, was, it wasn't even business-like. It was just, we're not happy with where we are, and we're the only ones who can get us out of this. And we've got to do it now. And I have to say, I enjoyed that mentality. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are looking to a new coach. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are looking to the fans. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are looking to anybody else but themselves because they realize that they have underachieved this season and this is where they are and they know where they need to be. And it all started last night. Yeah, there's an intensity there for sure, Leah. And, and that's also the word when looking at the schedule for the next two months. The schedule is is so condensed, that, you know, dozens of games left to play. I was looking at March. There's one week in March where there's five games in one week. Can Can you see any advantages as far as the schedule goes? Well, you know, I just used the word, Loren, opportunity. I heard it referenced a few times saying, well, the Jets have such a tough schedule. They absolutely do. But we have to remember that the rest of the National Hockey League also has a very tough schedule. Everybody has a condensed schedule, including the broadcasters. So the fact is, is that we, you know, with the Jets, they're going to go into this. And you look at the next five games, including last night, in that five against the Central Division, Four of those five are teams that you're chasing. They're divisional games, which means you have a four-point swing. So last night's a great example of it. You know, instead of being two back of Minnesota, they've now closed that gap. You know, they have a chance to do that against Dallas. They have a chance to do that against Chicago. You know, they have all these opportunities coming ahead. Another game against Minnesota, where if they can put together wins, they're going to see themselves elevate in the standings quicker than they would if they weren't getting the opportunity against Central Division opponents. So I think this is just a great, as I said, opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets. But again, they got to win. they got to pull it out like they did last night. It doesn't have to be fancy. they just got to get it done. Connor Hellebuck, the former Vezina Trophy winner, pitched a shutout last night. His play's been scrutinized a little more this season, perhaps more so than in any season since the tough start that he had back in the 2017-2018 season. Has his level of play been a concern to you? Not so much. Uh, The reason being is I know a lot of people would say, well, you know, he hasn't had his best numbers, as you just illustrated, and maybe hasn't been as good in season. But I think we have to remember that there's not a goaltender in the NHL that plays every year like a Vesna season. You know, a lot of goaltenders are streaky. You know, look what's going on with Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's on fire right now, but last year people were calling for his head. Marc-Andre Fleury is known as one of the best goaltenders to ever play the game, and we've seen him have major issues in his career where it's a bad season then a good season. This is just the nature of goaltending, and quite frankly, I don't really pin this on Connor Hellebuck because I don't think I've seen really a consistent season out of any member of the team in front of him. So the fact that last night even he pitched a shutout, as you referenced, And that almost escaped me because I was focused on so many different things. And here he is in the net, making sure that a goal doesn't get by in a one nothing game till the very end. That's what you need for your goaltender to do. You need him there when you need to win. And last night, he shut out the Minnesota Wild. All right, Leah, thanks so much as always. I know you've got some games to call next week, so it'll probably be a couple weeks before we catch up with you. We appreciate your insight as always. Thank you very much. You guys take good care. 
But right now, we want to continue a conversation that we just briefly started last half hour. And it has to do with the fact that CFL free agency got underway at 11 o'clock yesterday morning. Plenty of players changing teams, players chasing championship dreams, a big money contract, or maybe just one more season to prove you are not done. Yes, and I think that might be applicable to the subject of this conversation, Brett. Andrew Harris, who scored 25 regular season touchdowns for the Winnipeg Football Club, Let's see if they can get it in. They'll give it to Andrew Harris. You got to know that. Nichols, Harris, left side, fights in. Did he get in? Touchdown, Blue Bombers. Final play of the game. And they have won it. 41 to 40. Unbelievable. No question about it. Bob Irving making that call as one of the most memorable plays in Andrew Harris's time as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The blue and gold came back July 27th, 2017 against Montreal to come all the way back in the final two minutes of that game, 41-40. Harris made it his mission to bring the Grey Cup back to his hometown for the first time in three decades. Harris played five seasons in blue and gold, winning a pair of Grey Cups, including 2019 when he became the first player in the history of the league to be awarded outstanding Canadian and most outstanding player in the championship game. Star running back signed with Toronto Argonauts yesterday afternoon. Here's Winnipeg general manager, Kyle Walters. I know Andrew's done nothing but good things for this organization and face the franchise and the local guy and has been part of the, you know, the, the success over the last few years as we built this up the way we did. So it's tough on everybody. Everything he's done, he's a leader. It's just, at this point, it, it's part of the business. Yeah, and I think uh, for a lot of fans, Loren, yesterday was a tough day as Harris is, I, you could argue, become one of the most popular professional athletes in this city, in this province. Uh, you know, in some time, it's tough to see popular players move on, let alone ones that were born and raised in the city. And I mentioned this yesterday, didn't get a chance to mention it on air. Yesterday was the 26th anniversary of the trade which saw Timu Solani sent to Anaheim weeks before the NHL Jets 1.0 version moved to Arizona. And many of us will remember the emotional return to Winnipeg for Solani in December 2011 when the Ducks played their first game here versus the NHL 2.0 version of the Jets. There will be no such homecoming uh, for Harris, at least not this year, as the Argos will not visit IG Field this upcoming season. So, you know, uh, lots of emotions yesterday. Many people understanding that the Blue Bombers signing Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira, another Winnipegger, uh, to two-year contracts, uh, meant that Harris was likely on his way elsewhere, although it does sound like eh, the door might have been open right until the last minute. So hang on. We won't even get to have a standing ovation for him when he comes to Winnipeg because he isn't coming to Winnipeg as an Argo this that- year? That's correct. So wow, unless that's... he changes teams again yeah. in 2022, that's not happening. Yeah, I and mean, when you reference Solani, I remember being at that game, and man, every time he touched the puck, there were cheers for him. Not just that game, but many after that, to the point where some fans were like, okay, we do need to cheer for the Jets here, not just Team Solani, right? Because that was the kind of love you had uh, for him. And when you think of Harrison and the inability to say that goodbye for fans, that's hard. People like to be able to tell someone what they've meant to them and what they've done for him. And, and for the community, it's not just about his play on the field. Of course, 
He's born in Winnipeg. He was a high schooler here. There's all these connections to Oak Park and all the rest, plus his charitable work that he does, Greg, and, and the different businesses that he helps out with and speaks for. And so it's a loss that goes outside of the game. It goes to how people felt maybe when they met him or that he's the guy that you got to sign your hat or your jersey or all the rest. He's the ki- He's the player my kids know best, right? Because that's the era they grew up in with Andrew Harris, and so I, I feel sad that we won't even get won't even get that chance this year to to give him that uh, wave and the, that applause. Yeah, like I remember it's when a- I went to see uh, the Bombers play BC back in the the first season where the team was had moved to IG Field, and um, but, well, please for, refresh my memory. Quarterback Buck Pierce was traded, right? To BC, correct. Okay, so when uh, so when their first game back. Uh, Buck was uh, warming up, and you could you could sort of feel this kind of hush over the crowd. People were getting excited. Is Buck going to get in? And then, of course, I missed the moment where he took to the field because I had <laughs> I had run to the washroom and I could hear people cheering. And the Bombers got hammered in that game, so it was the only thing people could cheer about. And I was sad to, that I that I missed that moment because it was clearly a moment of joy for the team for the fans to be able to stay. It was like they their chance to say goodbye and thank you. I mean, of course, now he's, you know, since uh, be- become a big part of the club in a different way in the coaching, but that's a, you know, that's a sort of a huge, I don't know if rite of passage is the word I want to look for, Greg, but that's something fans, I think, look forward to. So that makes me sad as well that uh, I didn't realize that the Argos weren't coming here. That's that I never thought I would be sad to say, oh, Toronto's not coming. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, one of the oddities of the schedule last year, it was only a 14-game schedule last season, of course. Ottawa Red Blacks, led by Paul Lapolis, did not come to Winnipeg. So, you know, to imagine that we wouldn't go back to a regular situation where teams played one another at least home and home and then a couple of extra games against Western Division opponents, yeah, I was surprised to learn that. So, yeah, this just goes to, uh, you know, there are very few, as Bob Irving said on Twitter yesterday, there are very few happy endings in sports, very few happy endings in life, perhaps. And I think a lot of Blue Bomber fans were hoping beyond hope that there would be a way to keep If Harris wanted to play another year, that he'd do so here in Winnipeg. Unfortunately, it's just not in the cards. And uh, just a thank you to Andrew Harris for, for what he's done for fans. He's always been accessible to us, accessible to the fans. You mentioned that, Loren. And uh, those athletes... Those homegrown athletes in particular do not come along very often. And, mm-hmm. and the Blue Bombers were blessed to to have uh, one of the very best to, to ever play in the Canadian Football League. He's probably in the top two or three uh, greatest Canadian running backs of all time. Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show, tweeted yesterday, in the four seasons before Andrew Harris came to Winnipeg in 2016, the Bombers were 21-51. and 51. Mm-hmm. Since then, 55-31. and 31. Five straight playoff berths, two Grey Cup wins, three rushing titles for Harris, helped turn his hometown franchise into a perennial contender. Legend. Well said from the host of the CJOB Sports Show. Sucks that we're losing, Harris. Yeah. And now we have to... Like not, I don't want to boo the guy, but you have to hope that he's not as good anymore. <laughs> he moves to another team, which is a terrible feeling, right? Like I hope we got oh. the best of you. I, I, you know, you well, don't want to cheer against someone, but now you listen to those stats and you're like, well, I really, really hope that doesn't continue for him when he goes to the next team. He only played the six regular season games, but he was incredible in the playoffs. I always marveled at the fact that 
half the carries that he gets, the entire stadium and everyone watching on TV, listening on the radio knows he's going to get the ball and he still rattles off five, six, seven, eight, nine yards. Uh, he's, he, he's quite the player, always has been, always been a fan of his. Uh, I'm just so grateful. One of the rumors was that he was going to end up in Saskatchewan. I don't know how, how much merit there were to those rumors. I, I, I could not have handled that. <laughs> <laughs> you can weigh in at 204-780-6868. Also, Loren, um, coming up at 1230 today, uh, my understanding correctly, we will be carrying today's COVID update from the province. Yeah, so that's going to feature, as I understand it, uh, Dr. Joss Reimer, of course, the vaccine task force. And I believe it is, I'm just double checking here because the release went out yesterday at four that they were going to have their regular Wednesday update. And then it's come out again this morning. So it's also Dr. Jazz as Atwal. Just a COVID-19 and vaccine update, but it will be a chance to ask some of those questions that people have been asking this morning as you look to Alberta and Saskatchewan and you hear about them lifting not just some restrictions, but putting an end to some of those vaccine mandates or mask mandates, there will be questions about the timeline for any of that potentially happening here in Manitoba. So we will be carrying that news conference live at 1230 on CJOB. And a reminder that at 915, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show based on your texts at 204-780-6868 about the ratty old clothes that you just refuse to let die. Like Susan, who says, my 20-year-old hush puppies, so comfy, they are literally falling apart. I'm concerned one day the Sides will completely rip apart and I'll and I'll fall. But for now, I'm willing to take the chance. And she sent a picture of these hush puppies. Susan, I commend your uh, your devotion to this. <laughs> these are a disgusting pair of uh, slippers, but they look comfy. So good for you. We'll pick a winner at 915. Mackling McGarry McNabb, we are giving away a Four pack of tickets for the Winnipeg Renovation Show, RBC Convention Center, the happening February 18th to the 20th. Based on your texts on the ratty clothes that you just refused to get rid of, as I was sitting on my couch the other day, I looked down at my black sweatpants that I've had for, I don't know, 10, 15 years maybe, and realized I could see my knees through the material and thought, these pants are good for the garbage, but are they going in the garbage? No way! They're way too comfortable, and we've all got clothes like that, I think. What does Colin have for us, Greg? <laughs> well, back when I was younger, I owned a pair of Zubaz sleeping shorts <laughs> that were... <laughs> In the color of the San Jose Sharks. Loren, did uh, your uh, husband ever have Zubaz back in the day? I don't think so. I'd have to ask, but I think the answer is no. McGarry? (laughs) I hope not. I uh, I didn't even have Zubaz. I I think I made my own in sewing class. Like Zubaz style pants. Sewing class. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're hideous. Anyway, Collins were in the color of the uh, San Jose Sharks. Got them when the Sharks came into the NHL. I would have been about 1991, I think. I have been with my wife since. I got the shorts as she was my junior high sweetheart. Saying that, the shorts, uh, over the run of 25 plus years, have developed some very mm, unfavorable holes and rips in places (laughs) that were not necessarily family friendly. I would still wear the shorts to bed, though, as they were like a well-worn pair of running shoes, just fit right. My wife decided last year to accidentally hide them on me. I was devastated and uh, even put out a lost slash missing poster for them. In the long run, Colin concedes his wife made the right choice. 
Rick F. is another one of our runners up. He says, I bought this T-shirt in 1983 and I wore it for the next 20 plus years. It says, my foot is on the rock and my name is on the roll. So the words rock and roll are big, bold, black, and the other words are in smaller font. He says, that's about 15 years longer than my wife thinks I should have worn it. And I'll just throw in this editor's note. This shirt, he sent a picture, it's really beat up. There are holes in the collar. Like the collar is almost separated from the shirt. It's covered in stains. Um, but Rick says, tossing it was not an option, so I decided to have it recreated two years ago. I still own the rag, but I have three copies to replace it, so that should last me to whoa, the end whoa, of my time whoa, whoa. on planet Earth. You can have T-shirts recreated? Uh, Rick, please send the link to <laughs> 04780-6868. This could be very expensive for me. Elsa is our winner, though, Loren. Had to go with Elsa just because I get this. I've never done this, but I can get why she does not want to give up this shirt. Elsa says, what do I refuse to give up? Iron Man Canada, 2008 finishers t-shirt 16 hours and 26 minutes of pure hell swimming four kilometers with 2500 of my closest friends then biking 180 kilometers through the mountains barreling down the mountain reaching 75 kilometers per hour on my bike in the rain the marathon was the cool down i will (laughs) never give up that t-shirt i should say so elsa 16 hours and 26 minutes it really does sound like hell. It does. Congratulations, Elsa. Never let go of that shirt. You're going to the Winnipeg Renovation Show. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that at 1230, we are going to carry the latest COVID-19 and vaccine update with Dr. Jazz Atwal and Dr. Joss Reimer. So we'll carry the first Half of that, and then the remainder will be streamed at cjob.com. We love supporting local businesses here on The Start. Local entrepreneurs, local crafts, local artists, and local authors. And this month, because it's I Love to Read Month, of course, we are working to feature a local author every Wednesday at this time slot, specifically someone who's writing for our kids. And the book that we're featuring and speaking about this morning is called I Sang You Down from the Stars. And we're so pleased to bring on its writer, the author of that book, Tasha Spillett-Sumner. Good morning, Tasha. Good morning. So I wanted to read a bit of the the synopsis of the book because I have to say it almost brought me to tears this morning. It's about uh, someone who's anticipating her baby's birth. And so they gather gifts for a medicine bundle. uh, So that things like cedar and sage and a quilted star blanket. And as the mother shares the bundle with her child, they come to realize the baby arrived with gifts of its own and the baby is its own sacred bundle. And I just love the idea of that. I'm curious, tell us a bit how you got to this point where you were thinking and imagining that story in your mind before you put pen to paper. So the story of I Sing You Down from the Stars really started when my husband and I were planning to grow our family. And, uh, you know, actually, I I wrote it during a time when we had just experienced the loss of my mother-in-law. And so our hearts were grieving. And my husband always says, you know, like, there's never an empty, there's never a space left empty. And the arrival of our daughter, Isabella, who was named for her grandmother, really showcases that. And so I wrote it when I was anticipating becoming a mother, just like the mother in the story 
And um, really, I'm so grateful for the story because uh, it's allowed me to connect with other parents who, you know, have welcomed their children during the pandemic in a time when we haven't been able to gather as we would have liked to. And so I'm so grateful that over conversations like this, over different Zooms, I've been able to, you know, make that village, how they say it takes a village to raise a child. And, you know, for those of us who are parenting in isolation, we haven't had that opportunity. So I'm so grateful that the book has allowed me to make some sort of a village to to connect with other parents. You know, when my babies were born, I have twins and they were in the NICU. And so nothing was regular about their delivery. Uh, when we saw them and when we got to introduce them to the family, they were almost a month old. So in this pandemic, there are some things that are out of the way we imagined, fantasized or romanticized becoming parents, Tasha. Definitely. I had my, my baby on March 3rd, 2020. I think people are referring to it as like the before times. And, you know, it was, we had five, I guess, kind of quote unquote normal days before the first lockdown here in Winnipeg. And and so, yeah, we, the things that I thought in the end of my pregnancy, how things would be have just been completely different. And to be honest, I grieve, I grieve what I, what I had hoped, but I'm so grateful that we've been able to keep our baby healthy. Um, And yeah, I just really, it's become quite a passion of mine to connect with other pandemic parents as a kind of badge of honor. Mm. <laughs> now that grief uh, that you that you carry for the things that that you you know may have been. Um, how does your writing, or does your writing, sort of help you manage that or work through that in any sort of way? And then I guess the follow up to that would be: Can you see that writing helping others with their own grief? I really hope it does. And so for me, I write to move hard thoughts or feelings through my body because we know that when we carry um, when we carry heavy emotions, it's really not healthy for our mental health, or our physical health. And so for me, I write to kind of put those thoughts and feelings into a safer place and holding it in, in my body. And I do, you know, um, I always say I write to create a world that's worthy of my daughter. And there are so many hard things in the world um, constantly, things that have existed far before the pandemic. And so um, I, you know, I, I write so that my daughter has books to reach for, that she sees herself and her family and her community reflected back to her in beautiful and dignified ways. But also so other children outside of our cultural group also learn about our culture, our communities. And it was really important that we learn, especially children, learn to see each other with empathy, with humanity. And, you know, like... They, they always say that children are our future, and I, I think it's kind of, it sounds, it comes off as cliche, but really, like, that is our best shot right now is to raise humans that, you know, are kind and loving and empathetic. And so I hope that, you know, um, when people read my work, if it hits tender spots in their hearts or in their minds, I really hope it just gives them a moment of reprieve to know that they're not alone, to know that better possibilities. There's always an opportunity. There's always space for positive outcomes, for positive possibilities. And that's always been the goal and intention of my writing is just to create a world that's that's good. And whenever you're reading a children's book, I've noticed, and I was just reading with the kids after school yesterday, my kids, Tasha, I am always amazed that, you know, the books are targeted for, say, for someone in grade three or five or seven. And then I go, huh, 
that was a good story or that was a good lesson or you learn something in it as an adult, which is great for the moms and dads and guardians out there. And, and you talked about the idea of representation and your daughter seeing herself in your work or in, in novels or books. You have a Trinidadian Cree background. So how does that work for you to make sure that you're expressing who you are to the world, but also so that other people can learn? It works just like, you know, I I honestly feel that each and every person is the expert in their own experience. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, really critical that people be able to tell their stories from their authentic point of view. And I think, you know, we know, we know representation really matters and we know authenticity in storytelling really, really matters. And so I do, I do my best to represent um, both my cultural backgrounds in the best way forward and uh, the best way that I can. And I, you know, it's, it's quite, um, it's quite a gift, but it comes with responsibility too, because in doing that, you're also accountable to a whole bunch of people. You're accountable to, to your, to your community, to your nation, to your lineage, do the best that you can to make sure that you're representing the story in the best, in the best way possible. And I really love, you know, I love what you said around parents learning, learning along with their children. You know, because there's been things, things change, of course, and the way that we were taught when we were younger, the things that we might have held to believe when we might have been taught is true about different people. You know, we still have the opportunity to unlearn those things. And that's the power of knowledge. That's the power of sharing story with people. You know, we learn new things every day. And if we can unlearn things that are not true about different people, about the people that we share space with, our neighbors, our community members, I think that's really powerful healing. And I love, I love the image of parents learning alongside their children. Tasha, just uh, congratulations on the fact that this has made you a New York times bestselling author. I don't know if you ever set out to, if that's one of the goals or not, I'm not an author, but I'm curious if that recognition allows or makes you hopeful that your stories, that your view that you're sharing uh, will be seen and, and maybe respected in a, in a broader sense on a, on a larger stage. Is that, is, is that important to you? Of course, it was a shock when, like, when, I, when my editor called to tell me that we had gotten on the New York Times bestseller list. I actually asked her if she was joking, <laughs> and I, I'm not. It's not really the aim of the big stage. What I what I love about the fact that our book got on the New York Times bestseller is it it lets me talk to kids from Winnipeg who, you know, who be like, "This is a possibility." You know, I am a Winnipeg born and raised person. Um, you know, I, I love telling young people that, that, you know, the gifts that they have are meant to be shared. And you really never know when you live your gift, when you share your gift, you really never know where it's going to take you. And I love that opportunity just to, just to remind young people that, you know, don't come count yourself out. Like you come from a small, a smaller city, but you can do great and beautiful things with your life. When you live your gift. I don't know if I've heard anyone say that before. Where did you come up? Where Where does that philosophy come from? My goodness, Tasha. 
You know what it comes from? It comes from, I had an experience in grade seven when, and I share this publicly, when, when uh, my teacher at the time um, was looking at a piece of writing that I had done and the teacher, I'm not sure if she was just having a bad day or what was going on, but she looked at me and she said, you know what, Tasha, you're just never going to be any good at writing, so you should focus on something else. And I could have done one of, I could have done one of two things. I could have thought, you know what, my teacher is saying I'm never going to be any good at writing, so I should just give up on this and, you know, on, and stop right there. My story would have stopped right there. I would have never written books. I would have never been a New York Times bestseller. Or I could have done another thing, which I'm glad that I did, is listening to all the other people in my life who are like, hey, you know what, Tasha, you're pretty good at sharing stories. Um, and myself, I think that's the most important thing. Listen to myself and thought, you know, I love telling stories. It makes me happy. And and that's that that one experience, although it's a negative experience, has has literally been life changing for me because I honored I honored that that little voice inside myself was like, this is something that I love to do. And so, like, when I talk to young people, I say if it's writing, if it's drawing, if it's guitar, whatever it is, the thing that makes you happy uh, is the thing that you can do to create more happiness in the world. And I really believe that it, it's rewarding for the individual and for all the people around that person. Here, here. Tasha yeah. Spillett <laughs> Sumner joining us live to talk about I Sang You Down the, down From the Stars. And if you want to see Tasha read this book, you can go to cjob.com and find our I Love to Read page. And I'll link that to our uh, 680 CJOB Instagram if you want instant access to that. Tasha, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a real pleasure and privilege. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.